I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited about today's episode of Beauty Bosses with Dr. Rabia Malik. Dr. Malik is not only a friend of mine, but she is also an aesthetic doctor based in London who specializes in peel-based resurfacing skin treatments. She uses her expertise all day, every day, and she founded Skin W1, a skincare line that focuses on inclusion of copper acid complex. And we're so excited to have you today. Um, how's it going? Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm delighted to be here and um, yeah, really happy to be a guest on your podcast, which I love. All right. Well, I want to start by talking about a theoretical question because you work in the beauty space and beauty standards have changed so much over time. Um, what does beauty mean to you? So to me, beauty is all about working from the inside out. You know, I'm very holistic in my approach. And I think that healthy, beautiful skin really starts on the inside. And I actually think on so many levels, it's all about internal health. And I've come to believe in that even more as I've got older, because I've seen how much of an impact, you know, optimizing internal health, working on sort of what what happens on the inside, how much of an impact that has on our skin and our external appearance. And to me, beauty is sort of all of these things combined. It's not just the superficial appearance of the skin. It's it's the quality, it's the health. It's, um, it's also, you know, a spiritual aspect as well, because I think if you're happy on the inside, your skin glows. Yeah, I think that's so beautiful. I know beauty um, is such an ephemeral concept. And I think that the way we all think about it has changed a lot. It used to be such a rigid definition and such a rigid archetype. And now that it's more of a concept. Um, So I know that balancing a successful career while also having a personal life and Um, achieving all these milestones along the way can be quite a journey. So um, did you always know that you wanted to go into medicine and become a doctor? And when did you decide to do that? And what's your journey been like? Yes. So I think I have, I've wanted to be a doctor for as long as I can remember. My mom and dad are both doctors. Uh, They practice in Australia. I was born in Sydney. So being the daughter of two doctors, it was something I, I sort of lived with. They talked shop all the time at home, which is not necessarily a good thing, but I was um, exposed to it from a very young age. And I I remember doing, you know, house visits with my mom, who's a GP, so a family physician, um, when I was a kid. And I just knew that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a family doctor. Um, So that that was always very clear in my mind. And I think as time has gone on, you know, the type of medicine that I wanted to practice and the kind of doctor um, that I wanted to be was very much influenced early on by my parents. Um, But I had amazing teachers. I had great experiences at medical school. I've seen health systems in in different countries. and, And I think all of that has really contributed to to me having the kind of practice and doing the kind of work that I do today, which I love. Um, but yeah, I've always, always sort of seen myself as as 
being a doctor and uh, you know it was it was that or nothing really I think um but it's definitely been a journey um I was always interested in skin but when I was in medical school I realized I didn't want to be a medical registrar which is part of the pathway of training in the UK to be a consultant dermatologist so I decided to pursue general practice so that's family medicine in the UK and then developed skin as a special interest so um that was a little bit sort of not not quite so straightforward. But I think the benefit of that is um, having all that general practice, knowledge and background. So I think, um, you know, for example, uh, talking about the gut and gut health, which was something I used to mention to people, even talking about the type of food that they had, they ate or the diet they had and linking that back to skin 10 years ago was considered very strange. And now it's almost become mainstream to think about, you know, the link between gut, diet um, and your skin. So it's so interesting to just um, see how perceptions have changed, even in the time of my practice. Absolutely. I think that the way we think about medicine as a whole has changed. And, um, you know, it's funny when I was kind of a young adult, um, I was talking to um, my parents who are also both uh, physicians about a career in medicine and how it, it, you know, this was when I was a young doctor, like, you know, or in medical school probably. And um, I remember my mom said something funny to me, which was the best reason to be a doctor is that you just have this encyclopedic medical knowledge about everything all the time. And in your casual day-to-day life, you're going to navigate the world totally differently. And then she was like, and just wait till you have kids, you're going to be able to be so much more stress-free, which I actually don't know if that bore out because in a way, being a doctor makes you think about every possible worst case scenario. It's possible that that might just be me. How do you balance your career and your family? And I say that, you know, as one woman, you know, as a woman surgeon to a woman physician. So I know how annoying it is when mostly men ask us this question about family and career and no one ever asks them that question, but it is a good question and it is interesting and pertinent, Um, but only for us. Um, so how do you balance those things well you know I think it's it I think there are different stages so there are different stages in your career and also um you know in your children's development you know they're very physically demanding when they're they're little when they were babies I was always stressed about missing sort of bath time bedtime because I was doing hospital medicine then. I was training when I had my children. So I was still doing general practice training, which involved hospital um, sort of shifts. And I there would often be times when I would I would be heading toward rounds before my children woke up and I would be home after they were asleep and I had a great nanny. Um, but I, there was so much guilt in those days. And as they've got older, it's different because even though they're less physically um, demanding, you know, I have teenagers now, three teenagers, and, um, you know, there's always something to discuss. There's always some drama that's happened at school or some decision that needs to be talked through. Um, so it, it never ends, but I feel like the demands on us as mothers do change. 
And I feel now I, I'm in the position where I can adapt my practice and my work a little bit around, um, you know, what my family needs, because I also feel my two eldest daughters are going to go off to university in two years. So I feel like I don't have that much time with them at home. So I want to make the most of it. And I'm now in a position where I have a little bit more flexibility in my career, whereas I didn't have that when they were babies, because, you know, you just have to put in the hours, don't you? Yeah, I totally understand. So you're London based. How often do you come to New York? Oh my gosh. So I used to come to New York pre-COVID at least once a year because New York was my favorite place to do buying trips. So I feel the thing that you guys have in the States is all the newest, latest, greatest um, sort of skincare. Everything comes out first in the US. So, you know, for many years, probably over the past decade, I've done all my buying trips in the US and my aesthetic is definitely more aligned to the East Coast than the West Coast. So I was always, always in New York. And then COVID hit. So I didn't go for a, for a few years, but I was really happy to be back over the summer. So that was great. Um, and I do love New York. Yeah, New York is um, a fun place to be um, because there's just a little bit of everything but I love being in London too and I can't wait for us to see each other hopefully next month in London. Um, do you have any advice to an aspiring young person who's interested in a career in um, medicine or entrepreneurship? Yes I think that well the the two different things but I think more and more to be successful to have a successful medical practice I think you do also need to understand business and it's not something that's um, traditionally been taught particularly within the UK medical training system but ultimately we're all running small businesses um, and I think that the more you learn about that aspect, the better equipped you would you will be. Um, I have to say, I didn't really think about the business side until relatively recently. I was very focused on, um, you know, just being being a good doctor and, um, you know, doing my best in terms of patient care. And, and I'm glad that I was able to sort of dedicate so much of my time and energy towards that. But as things have grown and I've diversified into different things. And now we have a skincare line. You, I've had to think about things in a different way. Um, so my advice would be just learn all the different aspects because it definitely helps when you have an understanding of um, the business side in particular. I, I do feel like I probably left it a little bit late, um, particularly when it comes to things like marketing, which you just can't escape. Um, and I, I always sort of had my head in the sand with that a little bit and and kept thinking I'm going to delegate it. But actually, the more that I understand myself, the better decisions I can make, even when it comes to hiring other people. So, um, I yeah, I would just say um, try and expand your, your skill set, but also do what you really enjoy. I think that's the key because um, I have to say I've, I've really been able to follow my heart and just focus on building a practice that's all about what I'm really interested in. And it's quite niche because, you know, my clinical practice is specifically focused on treatments that stimulate 
around and I choose not to work with injectables in my practice. So it's very niche because it's all about the injectables in the world of aesthetic medicine. Um, and, you know, when I started, a lot of people said to me I wouldn't be able to make it work. Um, but thankfully, you know, it's now 12 years down the line and, you know, the practice is great. And it, it's sometimes it's good to be kind of on the fringes. So I think focus on what you're really passionate about, what, you, what you're interested in, what you enjoy, and um, keep an eye on the business side as well. Yeah. And I think I would add to that, particularly with this niche focus that we're kind of talking about, go with what you want and what your unique vision is. Because you know, I'm a board certified plastic surgeon. I spent the whole like gazillion years in the training and all like the most invasive things possible. And I do, my heart is still in those um, most invasive procedures. I split my time half surgical and half non-surgical. And right. when I was starting my private practice 10 years ago, um, I had so many of my mentors tell me, you know, don't mess around with anything that is less than pure surgery. Like you need to be cutting or else you're wasting your time. And I just knew in my heart that like, that's not the future of medicine. That's not the future of beauty. I think we, we've seen this with everything from cardiac surgery, where an open heart cabbage becomes a stent. And we've seen it with you know, telephones where that gigantic rotary phone became this tiny little Apple iPhone. Yeah. And, you know, we're seeing that with everything with technology and medicine and plastic surgery too, where the goal and the frontier that we're trying to push is the most beautiful, most natural, most advanced techniques, but we're trying to do the most with the smallest incisions, the shortest scars, the most discrete endpoints, And, um, you know, kind of do the most with the most anatomical knowledge and the least invasive access. And I thought to myself, you know, how do I want to age as like a woman yeah. who wants to, who's a woman of substance, who wants to do a lot of stuff and be busy and have a lot of things going on, but who also wants to feel confident and look good and be who I want to be. And, you know, I think that you have to trust your gut when it comes to things like that. And I think in this past decade, we've really seen that bear out. There will always be a role for every part of the spectrum of medicine. And today there are still people who need the open heart surgery. But yeah. you know, if you can divert 70% of heart attacks to getting a tiny little groin stick and a stent, then you've done you've done a great service to those people and if you can incorporate the spectrum of topical skincare you know lasers and skin resurfacing injectables botox fillers and surgical procedures and know when to say yes and when to say no then that's kind of the sweet spot of this whole crazy field Totally. And, you know, aesthetic, the field of aesthetic medicine, you know, as you know, has really evolved in both of our sort of uh, lifetime of practice. Um, you know, I started about 12 years ago and it was very different. And now it's, um, you know, it's it's everywhere. It's boomed. And in London in particular, you know, every street corner has a has an aesthetic injectable sort of salon or clinic or, you know, medispa or 
you know, something. So it's almost become ubiquitous. And I think that, um, you know, sometimes people lose perspective on on actually, you know, the end point, as you said, what they're trying to achieve. And I think our role as physicians is also to help guide people um, and give them, you know, and be a trusted source of information. And that's what I always try and do in my practice for my patients, because there's so much information out there, so many treatment options, and people get really confused and overwhelmed. Um, and I think that it's just, it's it's about getting the foundations right and then doing the right things at the right time, you know, in the right amount, not overdoing it, not starting certain procedures too young because you'll end up aging yourself. Um, you know, I think that all of these things, everything has its place, but I, I think it's, um, ultimately less is more if you want to age well. And of course, you know, I believe you have to optimize internal health as well in, in order to have sort of skin longevity um, and healthy aging. So that's really, you know, what I've sort of dedicated my practice to. And and yeah, then it's, an, it's a niche that I love and, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's slowly growing in, in popularity, but it's still, um, you know, it, it's still a little bit, off the off the radar a bit <laughs> yeah well a little bit more now uh, well thank you so much Rabia this has been so wonderful to speak with you and I can't wait to see you soon in London absolutely I look forward to it and I can't wait to show you around and um, yeah I look forward to catching up then